I'm Charlotte Knapper with Knapper Ranch in Sisterdale, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We've got another episode of Texas Ag Today ready to roll for you. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the Texas Cattle Feeders Association supports the transition to electronic identification for cattle. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. There was a lot of sorghum planted in the Texas High Plains this season, and as the fall approaches, the crop is facing some potential challenges. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. As Texas livestock producers feed hay to their animals this summer during the drought, they should know the weight of the bales of hay that they're feeding. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more just ahead on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The Texas Cattle Feeders Association supports efforts to transition cattle identification to electronic tags. TCFA President and CEO Ben Weinheimer says the organization supports the Department of Agriculture's proposal out earlier this year requiring electronic identification for interstate movement of certain cattle and bison. Our long-standing support for efforts to move the cattle herd to an electronic identification system is important for TCFA members. This uh, move by USDA to have that proposed rule out uh, just you know here recently to uh, transition the adult cattle identification traceability program from one that uses physical tags to electronic tags is an effort that we support. Weinheimer says they do realize that there are costs associated with this switch from physical tags to electronic tags, and these tags will also require reading devices. I think our expectation here is that we let this uh, adult cattle ID program transition to electronic ID and then work from the learnings of that program to see how we can lift that over to the entire herd so that we have a really robust traceability system utilizing electronic ID for both adult cattle and feeder cattle. Ben Weinheimer with the Texas Cattle Feeders Association. The Texas Animal Health Commission has confirmed a second case of vesicular stomatitis in the state this year. A quarter horse in Shackleford County, northeast of Abilene, tested positive for the disease that primarily affects horses and cattle. The horse is being monitored and the premises where the horse was being kept is under quarantine. Symptoms of VSV include blisters and sores in the mouth and on the tongue, muzzle, teats, or hooves of susceptible animals. 
There are several things horse and cattle owners can do to prevent VSV, including controlling biting flies, restricting nose-to-nose contact, and feeding and watering stock from individual buckets. Additional details are available on the Animal Health Commission website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. There was a lot of sorghum planted on the Texas High Plains this year. James Hunt tells us the crop there is facing some potential challenges. In recent weeks, the Texas High Plains has experienced many days with temperatures at or above the 100-degree mark, record-breaking heat in a lot of cases. Nevertheless, local agronomist Russell French says area sorghum still needs more heat units as the season heads into the fall. French says that's because much of the region's sorghum was planted late and is therefore running behind on development. I usually like to see sorghum headed out by the 1st of September to feel comfortable it'll make by the normal freeze dates, but there's going to be a lot of sorghum that's going to be heading out first, second week in September, so we're going to need some help from Mother Nature to make sure that gets made and gets harvested into the elevator. Something else for farmers to be thinking about the sorghum aphid. Producers may remember that, you know, we called it the sugarcane aphid and now they've renamed it the sorghum aphid. So when you hear extension personnel talk about the sorghum aphid, it's the old sugarcane aphid. French says for right now, it does not appear that aphid populations have reached the economic threshold that makes spraying essential, but... To see it already and with the sorghum as late as it is, not even, you know, a lot of it's not being headed out, growers really need to pay particular attention to the sorghum aphid and scout for it. And when those threshold levels are hit there, they need to consider insecticide treatments. There's a couple of good insecticides out there, Transform and Savanto, that work very well. And there's still another pest issue to think about. French says when sorghum does head out, farmers need to be scouting for the sorghum headworm. That can be a particular problem. Once you average one to two larvae per head in sorghum, that's a five to 10% uh, yield loss if you don't control it. Once again, that was Russell French with French Agronomics in Amarillo. We'll hear what he has to say about wheat in a future report. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The summer drought is forcing a lot of Texas cattle producers to feed hay to keep cattle alive this summer. Tom Nicoletti has some advice on purchasing the hay you may need. As range and pasture conditions worsen in the current drought and extremely hot temperatures, Texas livestock producers continue feeding supplements, including hay, to their animals at a time when they should be storing hay for the winter months. Hay bale size is an important factor producers need to be aware of during the management of their feeding operation. Dr. Larry Redman is State Forage Specialist with the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service. If we're buying hay by the bale, there's a couple of things that we don't know about it. We don't know the weight and we don't know the nutritive value. Let's say that we're paying $80 a bale, just for example. If the true weight of that bale is only 800 pounds, I've spent $200 a ton. But if the true weight of the bale is 1,200 pounds, actually my cost per ton is only $133. And so when we're buying just per bale, we don't really understand or appreciate what we're really paying because we don't know the size of the bale. And there's ways to determine that. If I'm a producer of hay, I can take a trailer. I know what the trailer weighs. I'll put three bales on it, go across the scales, see what the additional weight is, divide by three. And now I have an average expectation of what those bales are going to weigh. So I can tell my customers 
that on average these bells weigh 1100 pounds and oh by the way they're also 10.3 percent crude protein that's important information for me as a consumer of hay to know that because i feel much more comfortable about what i'm purchasing and so yeah bell size can really affect the actual cost of what you're paying for that hay that is dr larry redman with the texas a&m agrolife extension service I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Sheep and Goat Field Day gets underway today in San Angelo. And to talk more about it, we're visiting with Robert Pritz, Regional Program Leader for the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service in the West Region. And Robert, we've got the Texas A&M Field Day along with the Sheep and Goat Expo all happening this weekend. Tell me more about those two events. Well, I'll tell you, we're excited to have it. We've got a, a very unique event that is um, focused toward our sheep and goat producers, our sheep and goat industry in Texas and across the nation. Um, and this is an opportunity for us to to bring those people in that have interest in, in the sheep and goat industry to give them the latest information, whether it be research-based information or current research and other management type, um, opportunities that take place. Uh, the uniqueness of this event as we try to keep it all very hands-on. Um, it's um, a lot of opportunity, small group work, um, and give people an opportunity to really get a feel for, for what they can do and take home with them to, to, to help them in their own operations. Well, I understand this event attracts people from all over the country. We do. We we've got a we've got a good set of uh, of people coming from all over the over all over the country, um, and along with. Um, over 30 vendors that are going to be here with sheep and goat interest so we've got equipment manufacturers we've got uh, uh, other we have live animal um, displays as well and then we will have um, to be talking through a mock auction with our producers livestock auction guys as well so uh, we've got a little bit of something for everybody and i think it's going to be an enjoyable event and everybody's going to leave there with something new when they leave Well, Robert, where can we go to find more information on both the Sheep and Goat Field Day and the Sheep and Goat Expo this weekend? Uh, You can can find it at at our Extension San Angelo Extension Center web address uh, on on our website, and I'll have all the information there of the event, and uh, we're looking forward to it. And I do want to say also that, you know, we're excited for this year for our uh, research field day. It's our 50th anniversary. So we've been doing this a long time. It brings a lot of good information, and I think people are, are really excited to have a great event this year. Thanks, Robert. That's Robert Pritz, Regional Program Leader for Texas A&M AgriLife in the West Region. What happens if we allow chronic wasting disease to go unchecked? I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And dairy farmers across the country are facing a new kind of pandemic with immature heifers entering the milking herd. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. The 2023 Texas Cattle Feeders Association Annual Convention will be here before we know it. TCFA invites you to this year's convention, October 8th through the 10th, at the Gaylord Texan in Grapevine, Texas. The 2023 convention boasts outstanding educational, informative, and networking opportunities. Register before September 7th to save on your registration and hotel room at the 2023 TCFA Annual Convention. Find more information by visiting www.tcfa.org. 
We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Dairy farmers across the country are facing a new kind of problem with immature heifers entering the milking herd. Dr. Bob Judd explains. And it seems there is an unfortunate trend to breed heifers earlier. Dr. Staley is a technical service veterinarian at Diamond V, and he indicates there are a number of reasons farmers want to do this, and high feed prices are one of the main ones. But if heifers are not mature when they calve, we wind up with a lot of negative, long-lasting side effects along the way. Dr. Tina Coleman is with the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and she indicates heifers that calve before they are physically ready will never reach their full potential, and this costs the farmer money due to lower milk production, increased health issues, and decreased fertility. She goes on to say that heifer maturity should not be determined by the animal's age, but by the heifer's weight at calving. Weight at first calving not only determines the performance of first lactation heifers, but also lifetime performance. Maturity depends on a heifer's plane of nutrition and average daily gain. Growth benchmarks for heifers at puberty should be 45% of the dairy herd's mature body weight at breeding 60% of the herd's mature body weight. Pre-calving heifers should be at least 90% of the herd's mature weight, and post-calving should be at least 80% of the herd's body weight. Instead of looking at the size of the heifer, we should be looking at the weight. Size does not equal maturity, and if the heifer does not weigh enough at first calving, she will never catch up. For this reason, purchasing a scale so you can accurately weigh your heifers can really pay for itself in the long run. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. What happens if we allow chronic wasting disease to go unchecked? Jessica Domo looked for an answer in today's Wildlife Report. Chronic wasting disease is a real threat to Texas deer. That is the message from the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, which recently kicked off a public awareness campaign to share information with hunters, landowners, and the general public about what can be done to protect Texas deer and stop the spread of the fatal neurological deer disease. John Solovsky, director of TPWD's Wildlife Division, joins us with more. We've had CWD in Texas since 2012, and we've been surveilling for CWD across the state, many places since then, and some places even before. But nonetheless, our standard process has been to go to locker plants, hunter camps, and different things like that, and surveil, collect samples from these hunter harvested animals. Through that, since 2012, and even up until recently, there's a lack of awareness from hunters in general that CWD is on the landscape in Texas. So we consider this, to use a cliche, kind of our Got Milk campaign to create that awareness that this is not an attempt to put fear in the hunter like, oh my gosh, CWD is everywhere. It's really going to impact you because right now it's not the prevalence in Texas. It's whether you consider it in a breeding facility or on free range, it's still very, very low. And that's what we're trying to attempt to keep it very, very low because once it exists, you effectively cannot get rid of CWD. So this awareness campaign through billboards, social media aspects, updating our webpage, different things like that are just a, an effort by the department to create greater awareness. That was John Solovsky from the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. Additional details are available on the TPWD Chronic Wasting Disease webpage. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. 
It's time to check the markets. We'll be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau health plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market has been trading lower all week long. Thursday, no exception. For the fourth day in a row, we had lower closes in both the live and feeder cattle markets. August live cattle dropped 72 cents to close at 178.05. October down 95 at 178.32. December live cattle down $1.05. 182.52. August feeder cattle down a dollar ten to forty four twenty seven. September down a dollar eighty seven at two forty seven twelve. With October feeders down a dollar sixty five to forty nine thirty two. We had some midweek trade in the cash fed cattle market Wednesday. We saw some cattle sell for one seventy nine here in the Southern Plains. That's about a buck lower compared to the previous week. Up north, dressed cattle sold for two ninety-five. That's steady to a dollar lower as well. Feedlots asking one eighty and better for the cattle left on the show list. Boxed beef prices higher Thursday. Choice up five thirty-four at three fourteen thirty-three. Select up a dollar twenty-eight two eighty-six zero five. Now let's check those auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Thanks for listening to Benny Cox and I from Producers in Cargyle. They sell sheep and goats on Tuesday. Benny, how did it go? We got along all right. We had a few less than last week. We sold sixty forty-eight, And compared to last week, these wolf feeder lambs, they bring 8 to $10 higher. Um, actually, I think I made note of this. We About three weeks ago, we sold some wolf lambs, and I know went to a feedlot. A few of them went to a feedlot yesterday. Some of those, they weighed in that 80-plus range. Some of those real lightweights, still awful high. They were they justify those 60-pounders because of the, the cost structure. Um, the, the slaughter lambs, the air sheep type, they sold firm to about $5 higher. Slaughter use over three to five lower. Uh, kid goats kind of sold in the five to $15 higher. A lot of those little feeder goats have kind of bounced up there, even as hot as it's still is. You know, they complain about those lightweights. If it gets over 100 degrees every day, they, they tend to lose a good many of them. They just can't take that extreme heat, but they're, I guess they're figuring it's going to cool off. I hope they're right. Right. <laughs> right. The slaughter nannies, they sell from a dollar to dollar forty-seven, but mostly 120 to 126 uh, the slaughter bellies from 170 all the way up to 225. They've slipped a little bit. Uh, the wolf feeder lambs, the spread on those, 174 to 223. Slaughter lambs, 180 to 248. Uh, yeah, it's pretty hard to see any of them bring over 220. Uh, the, the bigger end of those, kind of 160 all the way up to 206. The slaughter ewes, uh, 62 to 80, but mostly 63 to 76. Uh, the kid goats from $2 to 320, but mostly 262 to 303. Now, uh, we have a special calf sale along with the sale this week. Yeah, we sure do. We've got a few bunches in here, not even big, large bunches. I think we'll still be, I think we'll be south of, of the thousand this week. 
Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Benny Cox. I can call me on my mobile. It's 325-234-4277. The office, same area code, 653-3371. Or they can look at the web, which is producers at gargoyle.com. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. And neighbor, thank you, too, for listening to Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Thanks for doing so right now on Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're leaning hogs close higher on Thursday. October hogs up 97 cents. 179.15. The December up 82 cents at $72 even. Class 3 milk was mixed. August milk down 7 cents, 17.27 a hundred weight. September milk up 4 at 17.95 a hundred. The cotton market closed lower on Thursday despite positive news. These weekly crop ratings that came out this week shows continued deterioration in the cotton crop, especially here in Texas. Also, we had a good-looking export sales report on Thursday morning, but the market ignored both of those factors, closing lower, with October cotton down 96 points, 84.36. The December down 111 points at 83.61. March cotton down 106, 83.58. Corn market continues to get support from hot, dry forecasts for the Corn Belt. September corn up three and a half Thursday, closing at 4.73 a bushel. December corn up four and a quarter, 4.85 and three quarters. March up four and a quarter at 4.99 and three quarters. The wheat market just can't seem to find any footing. We have some positive news as far as the wheat trade is concerned, especially when you look at the Russia-Ukraine war, but the market just seems to be ignoring all of that, and we drift lower. September, Kansas City wheat down 10 cents, 7.33 a bushel. September, Chicago wheat down 8 and a quarter at 5.89 and a half. In the energy market, September natural gas up 3 cents, 2.62. September, West Texas crude up 71 at 80.09 a barrel. The financial markets lower Thursday afternoon. The Dow down 290 points, 34,474. The NASDAQ down 157 at 13,316. The S&P down 33 at 4,370. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.